Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada Ryan and Jason. Welcome to another episode of the Worst of the Best podcast. I'm your host, and with me today, of course, is Jason, my brother. Jason, how are you doing today? Good, brother. Good to see you, and happy to do this recording with you. For our next recording, I'll be in a different location, but I, I don't even want to say what that is until I'm actually physically there. <laughs> I'm there, and then it'll make more sense, because if you're watching this on YouTube, that my background will be different. But if you're listening on the audio podcast version, then... There really is no difference. Maybe the microphone might sound a little bit different because I'm taking my cheap mic with me. Anyways, but that being said, I'm excited for this episode, Jason, because we're going to talk about some products that I was legitimately surprised. I think you might be, and I certainly think our listeners will be. These products that we're going to list, 10 products that generated millions of dollars in profits. And I'm telling you, there's a couple on here that I can't believe they actually produce the money they produce. Some are still available. Some are not. Of course, as we go through the list, you'll be able to determine what's available and what isn't anymore. Everything's available on eBay, but some things are just not being made anymore. But so it's a bit of a nostalgic. I think some things people will be like, oh, yeah, that. A lot of 90s kids will say stuff like that. So I'm excited for this. So again, these are surprising products that generated millions in profit. Jason, hitting the jackpot with a million-dollar idea isn't an everyday thing. I don't know if you ever have heard of the reality show called shark tank oh yeah 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 that's exactly what they're going for these are people who have these ideas and there have been some really fun products innovative products but then you see some of them like oof on the sharks really let them have it with their opinions of those products but everyone thinks they've got that product or everyone hopes that they have that product that's going to be a million dollar idea but not everyone gets that lucky break so going back to shark tank is there a product on shark tank that you're aware of that you've used or seen available that was originally from shark tank. I'd have to do some digging. I know there have been truly successful stories from that, that are legitimate mm-hmm. companies right now. So yes, there are products that people have pitched on that show and they are now millionaires and are like very successful business operators. So I know that's uh that is a thing. I'd have to do some digging on that. We can even maybe one do one day, oh. do an episode on the top, top. 10 successful shark tank products out there maybe and then pick the worst one of those so that's what we're doing today so again if you're new to our show listen to this for the first time or just want a quick reminder these are maybe not the top 10 but definitely a category of top products that have generated millions of dollars of profit that are surprising products i should say and I think for my worst pick, it's hard to say as I look over the list and as we curated this list together, Jason and I, I, I'm i having a hard time. It's, is it the product that I would use the least? Something to that effect. So I think for me, it might be if every product was a dollar, right? Let's just mm. say every product was or free. Which one would I be like, no, nah, you don't have to give that to me. <laughs> I'm okay. And I'll take the other nine for free or whatever. So which product, despite its success, I'd be like, I'd be indifferent or I'd rather or like have. What, That's the, what product would you not buy for a dollar? If everything. That's what I mean. Yeah. 
Yeah. Every one's a dollar, which is the one. I'd buy the other nine for a dollar, but you can keep that one. So again, independent of each other, Jason and I will give our picks at the end of the episode and our reasons independent of each other. So here's the kicker, Jason, though. Some things that nobody thought would be a big deal ended up making crazy amounts of money. So in this list, Jason and I will be checking out 10 products that made a ton of cash, way more than anyone expected. Jason, no one saw this coming. The, both the people that made these products and, quite frankly, I think consumers, <laughs> the public. And I can't believe some of these things made money. So again, we'll pick at the end what we think is the worst product to make millions of dollars. I'll start, Jason, with the first one, number 10. Now, you've heard of this product. So when I say this, you'll be like, oh, of course, you've heard of this. Crocs. Jay, have you ever worn Crocs? No. I don't think I have. I think I've, I feel like I've never owned a pair, right? I've certainly seen them. I've seen them on people, but I've never owned a pair or bought a pair. I feel like maybe I've put my foot in one to try. I don't know. I, I don't even know. I, I know I haven't, and I know I never will. <laughs> Are you sure? You, you don't want to add to the million dollar coffee? No. I, for some reason, I have a major aversion to Crocs. Uh, it's, right, well, just a pers- it's a personal thing. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe I'm in You might be denial. the minority. You might be I, the I think I am. I know. And they're actually more popular now than they've ever. I see them more now than I have ever. And they're not just people wearing them around in their gardens. They're like literally walking around like in stores and stuff. That's right, Jay. People like you either love them or hate them. I'm indifferent. There could be the argument there's no in between, but I'm indifferent. I don't love them or hate them. Now, back in 2002, this shoe company from Colorado started selling Crocs. Uh, Surprisingly, they became a big hit, and soon Crocs were being made and shipped all around the world. But you fast forward a couple of decades, and they've sold hundreds of millions of these things. You can buy them in about 100 countries, and the company's stock is trading over at $100 a share currently. And they're making more than a billion dollars in sales every year. It's safe to say that Crocs are a massive success. But who would have guessed this because they weren't quite the hit when they first came out. These ugly shoes went from losing $185 million in 2008 to closing $2.3 billion in sales in 2022. Basically, there were these three friends, Scott, George, and Lyndon, and they're sailing on a boat in the Caribbean when George goes to Scott. What are those? Those were Scott's slip and odor resistant clogs. And as ugly as they were super practical on a boat, the three friends thought this shoe could be massive. So they licensed the special foam from a Canadian company and got to work building their own clog. The Croc, a shoe suitable for land and water, like a crocodile. They premiered their shoe at the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show in 2002 and blew up from there. They were making new products, opening new retail stores, but there was a problem. In 2007, they had their most profitable year ever. So they bought as much inventory as they could. Then the market crashed in 2008 and consumers didn't have money to spend. So Crocs was stuck and nearly went bankrupt. They narrowed their focus and stuck to what they do best, clogs. And today they're back from the dead. What they've done also today, Jay, is they've, like people like Post Malone have their own. That's the thing is now you have these group type Crocs. It's hard to explain. They're becoming like collectibles. And there's people, I went online and there's people who have to get that croc, that version, the croc, they, they collect crocs, like trading cards almost. There is definitely a resurgence or the kind of the awkward look of them when they first came out, that thick foam look, all those things that visually for me would go against them. 
has been twisted into something. It's a statement now. It's almost like it's cool to be not cool. So, I still won't um, wear them. I, I've never owned a pair, and I, I've gone this long in my life. Never I, I suspect they're comfortable. I suspect that they, they are comfortable. People say that they are. Oh, yeah. I just don't need that shoe in my <laughs> closet. <laughs> you don't want Crocs clogged in your closet? So that no. time fast. All right. Now I know yeah. why they're called Crocs. I didn't understand the uh, term. Oh, yeah. Crocodile, land or sea type thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. I, I that, didn't know that kind of, either. That's a clever idea. So any rate, good for them. For sure. Yeah. I'll never wear it. Okay. Number, number so, nine. All right. Picture this. Koosh balls. Those funky rubbery balls burst onto the scene in the late 80s thanks to a small toy company called Odds On. Against all expectations, these okay. weird balls became a hit with kids in the 80s and then rolled right into the hearts of 90s kids. Parents loved them too because they were softer than regular balls. So when kids got a bit wild, there were fewer injuries and broken things around the house. By the mid-90s, you could snag a koosh ball for about five bucks. While they became a must-have in almost every American household during that decade. If you're a 90s kid, you probably had a bunch of these lying around. Now, did we? I don't ever recall having these. No, no, to no, you, no, Ryan? no. Yeah. no they were big in the 90s. So, of course, in the 90s, you have to remember we're a little bit older. So, we sure. weren't playing with balls <laughs> in the 90s. We, like, in, sure? let's say, 19, yeah, in 1995, <laughs> for example, let's say mid 90s, I was already 20 and you were 20, right. 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we weren't playing with koosh balls, but I, you've seen the product, right? You see what they, yeah. what they look like. So yeah. <laughs> I've held a koosh ball in my hand and I've played with a koosh ball. This is because you have those elastic band stringy things. Yeah. And so I'm pulling them all the time. So I've done that, but I've yes. never purchased one. I've I definitely have seen one and they, I know they were big, but I didn't realize they made millions. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Hasbro, the big toy company saw how popular koosh balls were and wanted in on the action. So in 97, they dropped a cool hundred million to buy the balls from the small odds on company. Not only that, but they scooped up the whole Oddsball brand. A year later, a company in New Jersey called Russ Berry and Company grabbed Odds On and all its goodies for another thirty million. A big, big payday, payday for yeah. such a small company. Yeah, and making just, rubber just, ball. Like it's a so basically, it's a, for our listeners who might not know, it's a squishy ball. Like it has that kind of a. And then it's got a weird texture, right? And then it has these rubber bands that stick all around yeah, it, make it yeah. like a koosh for our YouTube watchers, but also for our audio listeners. Here's some explanation about the koosh balls. Koosh balls. First released in the late 80s, there was a period in the 90s when it seemed like koosh balls were everywhere. Comprised of approximately 2,000 natural rubber filaments, these soft, squishy balls were easy to catch and sort of the 90s version of a modern fidget toy. While the initial media reaction was that of mockery, by 1994 more than 50 million koosh balls had been sold and the original inventor sold the rights to Hasbro. They were also featured prominently on the Rosie O'Donnell show, where they were frequently shot into the crowd with the help of the Flingshot accessory. In addition to a host of spin-off versions of the toys, there was even a short-lived Koosh-Kins comic book that featured six anthropomorphic koosh balls that looked like they could be related to the fraggles from fraggle rock all right so you go 
Koosh Balls. You got their own comic strip for a while there. But no, uh, I, I know, yeah. I think my kids had them. We bought them. Oh, maybe that's uh, where we saw them. Maybe that's where I saw them as an adult, is you bought them for yeah. your kids in the night, late 90s. And apparently, the reason why it's called Koosh Ball 2, I saw during my research as well, was apparently when you flop it in your hand and bounce it in your hand, it makes a koosh sound. Apparently, is the idea. How do you it's, bounce it, Ryan? You Let bounce me see in your hand. You cup it in your hand like this, <laughs> and you just bounce it. It fits you know, perfectly. Eh? It fits perfectly in your hand, into the palm of your hand. All right. Now, this one, everyone knows. Slinky, okay? It's that stretchy, bouncy coil. We all play with it as kids, every one of us. Now, here's the wild part. Most people might not know this. Maybe a few of you do, but it wasn't planned to be a toy at all. It was back in the 40s. A guy named Richard James was working on a project to secure war-related stuff on ships, and he wanted to help out with the war and make uh, shipping stuff easier. And guess what? Along the way, he accidentally created the Slinky. So legend has it, when the Slinky hit a Philadelphia store just before Christmas in 1945, it sold out in less than an hour. Boom. It became a huge hit all over the country. Now, fast forward nearly seven decades, they've sold hundreds of millions of Slinkies around the world. It even got into the Toy, of Hall, the Toy Hall of Fame in the year 2000. That's not very bad for an accidental invention. But here's the cool part, Jay. Those bouncy coils earned the makers around $3 billion. And get this, in the last 10 years, the company behind it, which is called Poof Slinky, has gone all in on making more Slinkies. They're making a comeback. And they continue to rock the children's toy scene once again. Now, for nostalgic sake, Jason, I thought, this is definitely a commercial that you and I saw when we were kids. So when I play this commercial for you, this is a surprise oh, for Jason. I, 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 know, I already know it. <laughs> you, I can you can probably sing yes, along the yes, song. Yes, I, you, I already know it. Okay. It's Slinky for fun. It's a wonderful toy. What walks downstairs a loner in pairs and makes a slinkity sound. A spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows it's Slinky. It's Slinky for fun. It's a wonderful toy. It's fun for a kind of boy. It's fun for a girl and a boy. I love how they re- <laughs> reiterate it's fun for a girl and a boy. I'm seeing the same <laughs> thing. This commercial would be canceled today. Yeah, you couldn't. <laughs> you literally couldn't. Do- the poor innocent slinky song would be canceled today. Fun for everyone. That's what they. It's fun for everyone. It's fun for everyone. Anyway, I loved the slinky. How simple was our childhood when this was a toy that you actually really wanted? Yeah, oh yeah. The problem with Slinky is you always have the younger kid or some idiot would yes, stretch it. Pulls, pulls <laughs> can't pull the Slinky. It's, it's just it's meant to be like gravity slinky. do its trick, go down the stairs, and then when you're done, you fold it back. You just like you you place it back together. Don't <clears> stretch <throat> it. You get the st- every Slinky's been stretched. It's like it's ruined. You've ruined it. You can't use it now. So the other thing that's interesting, like we talk about, like the fidget, you know, yeah, the, the the koosh ball and all the rest. Oh. All these are just like the like things that you know, and then in the commercial, you're seeing the kids bounce it between their hands, like they yeah. just all these kind of like just tactile experiences yeah. that keep our mind and our hands occupied. I and for so. whatever reason, it seems like that's a, a recipe for success in a lot of these things that we have talked about or can visualize from our past. I didn't realize that Slinky went back to the 1940s. Yeah. So it yeah. was already around for 30 years. I remember 
pushing it down a particular stairs like I can visualize myself playing with a slinky going down a particular uh, set yeah. of stairs growing up. Yeah, it's been around not only our whole lifetime, oh, of course, yeah. but, a, but almost a half a lifetime before that. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I love it. Great toy. That definitely is a not really, yeah, not really a spoiler, but you can tell that won't be our worst pick. I think Slinky is one of the greatest inventions ever. Okay. Jay, you got the next one. Who doesn't remember the Furby? <laughs> yeah, another 90s toy, yeah. Back in the 90s, Furby dolls were all the rage. Just in 1998, Hasbro sold a whopping 2 million of these plush kind weird creatures with eyes that seemed to follow you everywhere. Kids all over America went crazy for them, especially as the internet age was just kicking off. Then a year after their debut, Hasbro unleashed another wave of Furby mania, sending out over 14 million more dolls and making a ton of money in the process. Wow. Let's be honest. Furby dolls were a bit odd looking. Even do you remember, do you remember what they look like before? Yeah, I, I, do I, I do. do. Yeah, they're bird like, almost like bird like creatures or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird that people would create these things in an effort to think that they would be successful. Even the big shots at Hasbro were scratching their heads, wondering why kids and teens across the US were so into them. But surprise, Furby fans particularly cleared the shelves, turning these plush toys into instant collector items. During the heyday in the late 90s, Furby dolls sold over $25 each, and shrewd fans were making extra bucks reselling them. Yeah, always the case. Always the case. That's how you do it. Yeah, supply and demand. That's what it works. That's what capitalism is. Sure, the resale didn't exactly help Hasbro's pockets, but the initial craze was all they needed. In those first few years when Furby was must-have, Hasbro raked in over half a billion dollars in annual revenue, with Furby being a major money spinner for them. Yeah, for sure. All right, so a little bit of a reminder here, Jay. Not nostalgia for me or you, because, again, we were already adults or young adults when the Furby craze kicked in, but I remember this. Did you buy any Furbies for your kids, though, in no, the 90s? Like, no. no, no. But here's a commercial, though, Jay. This is what was airing at the time when the Furby craze hit. This will remind you what this creature does. Are you sure that's the Furby talking? <laughs> Just for the record, that was the Furby talking, not the kids. <laughs> no, no. Play games. Be bad. Oh. And love you, bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> Your Furby sneezed. And gave mine a cold. <laughs> it passed COVID. It's, it's the Furby <laughs> COVID edition. <laughs> Furby loves you, love and love. <laughs> love you really. So they their ears moved around more than I thought. I didn't realize the ears. I didn't. Moved. I don't remember them being so mechanical. Yeah, this must be like a version two point or something. Was this? Well, the it might very be the first? second year because they did the first year they did two million. The second year they did fourteen. This might be the. But still, there you go. It's. I, I get it. I get why this would have been a bit of a craze. You have this animatronic type creature responding to your commands and touches, and <laughs> giggles, and <laughs> oh boy, and suggestions. And suggestions. That's right. All right, number six. Before our research, did you ever hear of Billy Bob Teeth? No. Now I'll explain this to our listeners, and so they understand what these are. Had you? No, but I mean, once you see it or hear about them, I guess they had to have a name. Right. Had to be. Yeah. Okay. So get this, Jay. Billy Bob Teeth, those fake, rotten-looking chompers. They started as a gay gift idea. The company behind it, also named Billy Bob Teeth, figured they would just have a little fun with it. These aren't your regular fake teeth. 
Okay, they're designed to make your real teeth look messed up. You pop them in, give an unsuspecting friend a grin, and watch them freak out. That's the whole deal. But here's the kicker. This goofy business turned into a massive success. The mastermind behind these fake teeth is a guy named Jonah White. Believe it or not, he has sold tens of millions of these redneck-style fake teeth all over America and beyond. The company has made a whopping $50 million in profit, and all they're doing is selling fake teeth. Give credit, Jay, where credit's due, though. Jonah White knows this whole thing is ridiculous. In fact, back in 2012, when a St. Louis magazine interviewed him, Jonah admitted that almost everyone thought he was crazy when he started this. Quote, 99% of the people told me I was a fool and I'd be out of business in no time, he said. But guess what? It became huge, and now he is laughing all the way to the bank. You know these famous teeth, the hillbilly teeth we wore as kids? They make $20 million a year, thanks to this guy, Jonah White. In 1994, he's lost, so he and his dad go out to their shed and start digging a cave. Jonah figured he would just live in the cave until he came up with his life's purpose. So one day he climbs out of his hidey hole with life's greatest epiphany. I'll sell novelty items. The only problem? He had no idea which novelty items to start selling. One day, Jonah's watching a college football game when this redneck comes up to him. Hey, you're Jonah White. I've heard so many awesome stories you. Look, man, I don't mean to be rude, but did you go to the dentist at halftime for partial dentures? Lee? My Billy Bob teeth? You like novels? He pawns the only thing he owns, a Springfield 45 handgun for $400. They're starting capital. The teeth went gangbusters, and today Jonah sells over 200 other gag items. So he's expanded his business beyond the teeth. So good for sure. him. He's a gag business. He's like in probably googly eyes or crazy hair or humpback or fake mustache. And yeah, glasses. Fake... <laughs> Jay, do you ever get? Do you ever laugh when you see somebody wear fake teeth? Have you ever laughed? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh my goodness! What happened to your teeth? Oh, they're fake. Okay, come on. He's a multimillionaire. Multimillionaire. It's awesome. I wish I had that idea. <laughs> I know. Imagine if you go back in time and just three or four years before he comes up with the idea, you just say, hey, I'm going to sell these fake teeth. And then, oh, well, yeah, I'm sure there was a bit of luck or marketing and all that good stuff. And but if how- you think about it, how many different odd and end items are there in the world? And there's a reason that they're, they are there is because people are making money, whether it's a koosh ball, fake teeth, a crazy hat. Yo, what was that story that we grew up with? What was it called? In the mall. It had all just like weird. Oh, the crazy. I think it's a story. A crazy store. Oh, I don't know. But I know what you're talking about. Yes. There oh, was what a, was the name there, of that store? Let us know, dear listeners who are born and raised in British Columbia. Yeah, there was there. Uh, yeah, there was a store that did that. That they one did store. Zany, the zany stuff. It was zany. Yeah. Like, fake poo. Yeah, Art smells. The, yeah, whoopee cushions, like Stink off bombs color, off yeah. color, you know, jokes uh, and gags, or yeah, like bumper like, stickers and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, Jay, you got the next one. Okay, so this is one we all are familiar with. Of Let's course. talk about the chia pets, those quirky green sprout growing figurines. They might not look like much, but for the past fifty years, they've been a gold mine for their inventor Joseph Pettit and his company. Joseph Enterprises. These do-it-yourself chia pits first hit shelves back in the 70s, and Joseph Pettit nailed the timing and marketing game. Chia pets, along with other products like the Clapper, became infomercial legends on late-night 
TV. Even in the pre-internet era of the 70s and 80s, these goofy products went viral. Joseph Pettit sadly passed away in 2023 at the age of 91. But his legacy lives on through the Chia Pet. At its peak, his company was shipping around 500,000 items to customers every single year. By the time Pettit passed away, his business estimated they'd sold and shipped more than 25 million Chia Pets all around the world. That's, that's a, Think about 25 million of something is a lot. Yeah. Today, you can stake a Chia Pet for around $20, depending on the design. So you did the math. There are definitely quite a few zeros at the end of that final tally. Yeah. Again, did you know that? See, here's the thing you knew about Chia Pet, but would you consider that to be as big? Did you, did you ever consider it to be that big still, even? Like, I, I again, this I is. I really thought of this, it, but if you think about if it is still around selling, there's obviously. Well, that's the name of our episode. Of These behind. are surprising. Pro- I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm, surprised I'm, su- I'm actually surprised it's still selling, to be yeah. honest. You remember this commercial? This is another nostalgic run for you. Yeah. Chia Pet, the pottery that grows. Just soak the chia seeds, spread them on your Chia Pet, and keep him filled with water. In a few days, he sprouts his own beautiful green herbal coat. Beautiful green herbal coat. <laughs> it's, looks, it always looks like alfalfa sprouts to me. Is that what I always thought it looked like? like That's kind of what I was, yeah, it's the same idea. But the other thing is, like, these clay figurines that they grow on are garbage. <laughs> Like literally, like like, somebody grade one made this. Yeah, yeah. This so the commercial here says full coat one to two weeks. A full coat of chia grass. It looks gross. I find this kind of gross because you have water inside, is dirt or whatever on the outside. It just seems like a mess. Have you ever put one together? Have you ever done it? I don't think so. Just continue this commercial here. Yeah. Soon you've got a lovely house plant. Everyone. Soon you have a lovely house plant. To me, it's not the chia seeds that are growing because we've sprouted plants in water and trays. To me, it's the clay figurine under it. <laughs> oh, I have a sheep. Oh, look, this is a sheep. I grew, I grew the sheep's hair. Like we're pretending that the figurine. Yeah, has that's what any... you're growing. <laughs> plant. I'm growing the Everyone seeds. Everyone loves chia pet. They're fun to watch and easy to grow. Fun to watch and easy They're fun to, to watch. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm you're what, watching I'm the daily watch growth. You're, yeah, you're watching the daily growth. That's why it's fun to watch. So get one for yourself and one for that perfect gift. That's such a like, weird line. You, you should say get one for yourself or one for your favorite person. But listen, and one for your yeah. And does this make sense? Listen to that again. So get one for yourself and one for that perfect gift. And one for that perfect gift. It's like a bad Google Translate. Yeah, it is like bad AI or something. It should have just said, yeah, one for that perfect gift for somebody. But it just, I know you gift it to somebody, but it just sounds like an it's odd It's the way perfect of gift it. for someone else. For somebody first. else, yeah. Chia Pet, the pottery that grows. Available at Kmart, Zellers, Woolco, Super X, Home Hardware, and Eaton's. Of all those stores, there's like only two that are left. Yeah, Home Hardware still around. Yeah, <laughs> which is still a joke. Let's go to Home Hardware. I'm gonna go to Home Depot, Rona's, Lowe's, whatever. I'm not going to Home Hardware. This no, is- I've been to it. I've actually been to it recently because I think where I lived in, in on the island there, there was one that was the only place to go in Souk. Oh, okay. To get, you had to buy a hammer. There's right. One, there's like that's yeah. Uh, I need to roll duct tape. But the Chia Pet set, Jason, okay, it includes the Chia Pet, which is your favorite thing. 
seeds for three plantings. I didn't realize that. So you can do this three times. So when the grass yeah. grows, you get to reuse it's the pot. It's good value. It's a good value for your money. You can do this three times. And it comes with a drip tray. I see. So if you spill water or something, like an easy to easy cleanup after. A drip. It is clay. So it, it would have holes. I would suspect right. for the chia seeds to absorb the water. So there would be a little bit of drip. That's right. And it, uh, there's easy instructions as well. Easy instructions. There's something about this the clay figurine that just looks so, it's so bad. All right. Jason, have you ever heard of the Snuggie? Yes. Let's talk about it. It's that blanket slash. You have one, don't you? No, I do not have a. I do not. Oh, I thought I saw somebody. No, I have a blanket that has something to put your feet in. Oh boy. (laughs) So the Snuggie, though, Jason, is a blanket slash sweatshirt combo, and it hit the market right smack in the middle of the 2008 financial crisis. Another one that kind of hit the Crocs and the Snuggie hit that same area of crisis time. So now you might wonder, though, Jay, how did a cozy hybrid survive such tough times? It did. And it's been riding high on its comfy wave ever since. What better way, Jason, to spend time than lounging on the couch, streaming your favorite shows, and wrapping yourself up in a Snuggie? The the Snuggie's always been a bit of an oddball product. When it first graced the public via those unforgettable infomercials, the New York Times Magazine famously dubbed it, quote, the pet rock of the Depression 2.0 era, and we'll get to that later. Despite the slag from the New York Times magazine, there's no denying its success. By the mid-2010s, over 30 million body blankets have been bought and shipped by presumably happy customers. The all-star products group, the brains behind the Snuggie, has raked in over $500 million in profit. That's crazy. Now, have you seen the infomercial for this? I, I think I have. But I'm going to play it because the way people act wearing this thing. This I, is probably why I would never buy it. It's because of the commercials that are associated with some <laughs> of these products make me like repel the product. Maybe we'll rewatch it. Tell me what you think. Okay. Maybe my, my views will change. You want to stay warm and cuddly, then you need to put on a Snuggie. It's the blanket with sleeves that keeps you totally warm while your hands stay free. That's right! Perfect for men, women, and children love them too. And now there's even a Snuggie for your dog. Available in a variety of hot new colors that'll keep you cozy from head to toe and totally warm wherever you go. Okay, so was they in a game? Were they like literally at a game? It looks like they're all wearing monk uh, outfits. Doesn't it look like those monk cloaks or robes? And you're right. This is worse than I remember. This this is honestly worse. They were in a movie theater. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, I was say the old couple. So, so for our listeners, when they said for wherever you go, I'm going to pause it. It was an old couple at the movie. <laughs> Can you imagine this old couple wearing these at a theater? Cozy from head to toe and totally warm wherever you go. Look. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> I can't do it. I do How much stuff. money, Jay, would you have to get paid to wear a snuggie to a theater? <laughs> like, you have to have a. You have to have a minimum. You can't say a billion dollars. Yeah, it has no, to be. No, no, uh, it would be reasonable. Like, um, what's the lowest amount? Like, hundred bucks. Thousand, yeah, yeah, probably like. Uh, <laughs> I think I do. Th- I do it for a thousand. I, at the end of the day, I think uh, sure I'll wear the snuggie for a thousand bucks. You go lower, five hundred. You got to cover my popcorn, and you got to cover the yeah, cost yeah. of the sure. I mean, yeah, snuggie is available at retail stores everywhere. So if you want to be warm and cuddly, it's time to get on your snuggie. That's right. 
was that a family reunion? That's what it looked like to me, like a family reunion group photo. There's 30 people. Oh, wait, look at this. Look Is at that this grumpy old guy. Yeah, there's one oh, he, guy who's grumpy. He's, he's not on. wearing he's, he's not wearing one. That's right, he's not wearing a Snuggie. So he's got his arms crossed. He's old grumpy. Oh. He's cold because he's not wearing a Snuggie like the rest of the family. The old grandpa oh, there. Oh, he's, he's a black sheep in the family. That is hilarious. I would never have caught that had we not paused on this quick little two-second scene. Everyone jumps oh. up and cheers about wearing a Snuggie. It's some sort of event. I think it's not a, It's like it's, an event it's, or... It's got to be a family reunion. They got people of all ages there, no? But, oh. yeah, but yeah, he's sitting there cold and grumpy because he ain't wearing a Snuggie. It's like everyone who's ever been outside is miserable because they're not wearing a Snuggie. That's what this is telling you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So based on this commercial is the number one reason I, I would not wear one because I feel like I'd be associated with these people. Yeah. They're, in a, they're on a different planet. What's the dog I, reading? The dog's reading a book. Is that dog even real? I know. It, lo- it looks it, like a stuffed animal. Oh, it might be. You're right. Honestly, how do you feel about a Snuggie? If I had one and it was in my home, I'd probably wear it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I get cold very easily. One, just because it'd be funny. I definitely would try it out. I think I would enjoy it, but I would never buy it. But if it was given to me as a gift, we, we nudge, dear listeners, <laughs> gift Ryan at the Worst of the Best podcast, I, I would wear one. Okay, yeah. so do we know how much they actually cost? Yeah, I'll Google that and uh, you read the next one. So let's talk about Tamagotchis, those digital pets that took the world by storm a couple of decades ago. Sure, they might seem a bit dated compared to today's buzzwords like metaverse, but back in the day, they were the bee's knees for kids who wanted to care for a virtual creature. Yeah, your kids okay. may have had one. I don't know. I feel like yeah, mine yeah. did too. I think mine did for sure. So picture this. You're Tamagotchi was locked inside a little egg-shaped toy, and it hatched out of an on-screen egg. From there, you had to feed, water, and raise it, mimicking the care you give a real pet, albeit in a completely fake way. After a few days of your tender care, the virtual critter would grow its wings and head back to its home planet to live in harmony. Your job was done, and you could go on living knowing you saved a creature and given it a virtual life. Now, the concept of virtual pet might sound amusing or even a bit silly, but for one toy brand, it was big business. Oh, Bandai America, the brains behind Tamagotchis, made a killing off of these pocket-sized companions since they first hit the shelves. They've sold over 80 million of these digital pets to enthusiasts worldwide. The total sales are now closing in on a billion dollars, and they've even adopted the modern era, offering a fully digital miniature pet, just like the old egg-shaped Tamagotchi, but in the cloud. Okay, so there's a v- many yeah, variations of this now. Yeah. I can't remember the name, but our kids would have like a stuffed animal that came with a an online profile. can't remember what it was, and you would do similar things. No. day in and day out with these pets yeah so they've moved on to now yeah. the iphones and stuff so you buy them as apps. yeah i'm sure an app yeah very easy app and uh they've it's still an ongoing business formed in 96 and they currently are still a business available today available right now if yeah you can still buy the old school ones too and yeah i can see kids enjoying this even today but of course the graphics are incredibly updated on these little pocket things now but yeah i, I get it they're like the same kind of universe as Pokemon. Not really, because Pokemon, you catch creatures. Little I know. Here, you're raising the creature a little bit. Here's a commercial, Jay, that explains a little bit. But is it Tamagotchi, her new favorite pet? Yes! 
So what's that make me? Fish sticks? That's the goldfishner yeah, tank. The real pet is complaining about the fake pet she's playing with, which is, I guess, legit complaint of the poor goldfish. But so that's the goldfish narrating this commercial, folks. Just so you can, so he's here. He, he, the goldfish he's is looking, about, he's watching, he, he's watching child. her play with the yeah. tamagotchi. Oh, are you hungry? Oh no, no, no! By all means, feed it. Play to your heart's content. Look, Goldie, I took good care of her, and she changed again. Change? How about changing some water here? Katie, boss is here. So Tamagotchi can pause. He goes, the goldfish has changed. How about changing my water here? Did the goldfish fart or shite in the tank? Is that the sp- I was wondering what that was, too. Let's go back. He says, how about change my water? Because he made that poopy sound. <laughs> Let's go back. That's the best part of the commercial. How about changing some water? Oh, look at the fish-shaped water. Change. He actually he farts so hard the water comes out of the, <laughs> the fishbowl. I never saw that. Watch. Change again. Change. How about changing some water here? Katie, boss is here. So Tamagotchi can pause. I can pause too. Want to see that again? Tamagotchi, the original virtual reality pet. Your care determines the pets you get from Bandai. There you go, Bandai. Yep. Mm. Yeah, very, I remember these. I think I may have gotten them for my kids. I think or something. They weren't necessarily cheap, and they were tricky to operate a little bit. But there's only a few buttons on them. Those them. graphics are brutal. <laughs> I'm not even sure what I'm even looking at. It's like little five pixels. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> like literally, the Frogger watch when we were growing up, like in 1984, <laughs> has better graphics than that. I think like I said it. They're updated now, so if you want to buy the product on your iPhone now, Jay, you can. Okay. Do you happen to find how much the Snuggies are? Yeah, I went to the Snuggie site. And they have a variety of different products. So you can have heated sure. ones, electronic ones, but the average, like just buying the one that you throw over, yeah. is twenty five US dollars per. It's literally a blanket. With yeah, but they have different versions. They have plush ones. They have ones mm. that, you know with like more of a softer, like the Valier. wool. Yeah, and so you can or have fleece. those fleece. Yeah, fleece ones that, that totally soft type. And then you have electric ones you can plug in, and yeah, they got a whole gambit of things. They're still up and running, man. They're yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're a business, and Tamagotchi is still a business that you can still go and buy stuff. All right, the next one is hinted at this with the previous one. Maybe we've already forgotten it, but the pet rock. Now, Jay, do you remember the pet rock phenomenon? Yeah, yeah so I this, do. Now it was big when we were I was young. I, yeah, you were just like two years old, and I was born the year it hit but it became a thing that lasted into the 80s so it was invented by a guy named gary ross doll he was a a marketing maestro because he invented this peculiar let's be honest utterly useless product most americans of course knew that it was a bit absurd but they couldn't help themselves but be entertained by its originality and quirky story doll's genius move was pricing the pet rocks at just four dollars each Cheap enough for people to buy and hand out as gay gifts. This kind of falls into that gay category because it, you can't just go to the garden, Jay, and get a rock and say, this is my pet rock. That was an idea. You had to get it from the pet rock company because it came with stuff. It, it came with a car, its own special cardboard box. It also right. came I remember with, those boxes. Yeah. 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 And it yeah. came with a manual, 36-page manual on how to care for the family's new pet. A rock was the best-selling gift of 1975, and you can't overlook its genius. The Pet Rock is considered one of the most viral products of the 20th century. You may think it was just an idiotic idea that caught on, but there was some next-level marketing involved. Gary Dahl came up with the idea after joking to his friends that he had a pet which required no attention at all because it was a rock. He took the joke a step further and proved how important packaging was. 
He didn't just stuff a rock in a box and sell it. He put the rock on a bed of straw paper in a box with breathable holes and included a 40-page pamphlet breaking down exactly how to care for your new pet rock, including a line referring to how trainable rocks are since they quickly learn how to sit, stay, and play dead. So that's very clever. This, yeah, marketing, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's a psychology thing, too, of how we want to participate in the fad. Everyone else is absurd, like, but that's what makes it fun. Is yes, yes, this is absurd, but we all want to we all want to be a part of this. And I wonder, and I bet you this probably happened because they sold millions of these things. That there was some kid who got attached to the rock for real because we we placed. Think of the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks with the volleyball, right? Yeah. The inanimate object that you get attached to. But I bet you a kid got attached to their pet rock and lost it and freaked out. I bet yeah. you that happened back in the day. I bet you somebody lost their pet rock. Yeah. The trauma associated with right. that rock. Because yeah. you, you associate your own feelings to things. It's weird how we do that as humans. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, oh, Johnny got one. I want one because I want to be cool like Johnny. Yeah. And so we all want to be like associated with this. Uh, yeah. This, People uh, probably did like ad. rock fights. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Cool. Awesome stuff. All right, Jay, you've got the last one. Okay. Beanie Babies. No list would be. Complete without a nod to the Beanie Babies. These tiny toys took the 1990s by storm with their value soaring throughout the decade. The rarest Beanie Babies were fetching hundreds, even thousands of dollars, as people believed their prices would only climb higher with time, especially for the most unique versions. I'm going to play this video. It's a couple minutes long, but... It's These are the feet. This craze is just... It's scary. A Beanie. They're just cute. Crazed. That's the new baddie. Collectors. You ready? They've been waiting hours for Coach House gift store to open. I like the duck. We got two raccoons, two skunks, and two spiders. I see you have to admit they're cute. Here's a quick lesson on this beanie craze. A company called Ty makes them, releases them with different names. They're all named after something, an animal. An animal, basically. They haven't done funguses. Then retires them one at a time. There's Snort, Seaweed, Jabber, Jake. When they're first released, you can get them for about five to seven dollars. Once they retire, the value goes up. In two years, there was two hundred and forty-five dollars and stuff. He's worth about four thousand dollars. Meet employee Bear and his owner Joy Brizagella. A Beanie Baby collector resold it to her for about 400 and he ended up being worth about 4,000. To Joy, my tie-dyed Lizzie, I bet, is very much like a Mickey Mantle baseball card. And? It's a social event. It's how she met good friend and fellow collector. I love them, and I'm obsessed. Debbie Surstens. It's like going back into a, a second childhood. It can be an expensive second childhood. Debbie spent $1,800 on this hard-to-find bear. I wanted it so badly, and I wanted a good one. Beanie Baby values may explain tight security at the gift store we visited. Yeah, we got to keep everybody behind the line. Just in case beanie collectors get out of hand. I think a lot of people see them and see dollar signs. No trouble today. Every beanie crazy buyer. What can I get for you, young man? Goes away. Content. People were buying these things. I guess they retire a certain line of Beanie Baby that, of course, marketing ploy because it's supply and demand. They take away the supply. Oh, this version of whatever is going to be 
limited. As we all know now, the Beanie Baby bubble eventually burst. Many found themselves stuck with bags of once-prized toys, nowhere to sell and no one willing to buy. The trend faded, the toy market moved on, and today Beanie Babies are a nostalgic relic of the past. Those who drop serious cash on single Beanie Baby dolls might not be laughing as hardly. I was thinking about that. Like you, you have to sell it within the craziness of that time period. Yeah. That lady at the end there with all those, she's literally, I'm, yeah. I, I don't want to bag on people that really enjoy the experience, and that's what you want sure. to spend. There's things that I spend money on that people sure. wouldn't value either. Sure. But these, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yet amid the fallen Beanie Babies empire, there's one person who's certainly having the last laugh, Ty Warner, the billionaire mastermind behind the toy company responsible for Beanie Babies, was raking in hundreds of millions of dollars in profit each year during the craze. I feel like, like I maybe have purchased one of those, something like... Oh, I'm sure. Kid, I, yeah, yeah I'm but sure I didn't think I anything of them. I didn't understand the... I had what, no idea there was a craze. I had yeah, no I idea it was a craze either. either. Yeah. People would be waiting in line. I don't recall any of that. But uh, can we just talk about some of the things that aren't on the list? Like, what about, about Cabbage Patch Kids or the Pound Those weren't surprises. Or... I think the idea is those, oh. were, those were big products. We like Cabbage Patch Kids, they were a craze. But Huge. I think these, I think this list, a great question, Jay. And I, I think some of our listeners, again, these are surprising products. Like, I didn't right, realize, right. like Crocs, for example, they're in the billions of money. Right. I had no idea they were that big. So these are things that I remember them, but I'm surprised about how much money they give us. So there's a combination of that made that much money type stuff. For me, Cabbage Patch Kids would be in there too because I'm most like... Yeah, that's fair. What, what, that's fair. What is it about these that made them... We could have made our list bigger. Yeah, come on. We could have done 11 <laughs> or 12, but we try to keep it around 10. Yeah. Fair enough. That's what I mean. It's not maybe the top 10 per se so much as just these are 10 things. Yeah. Could easily be, I'm sure people could easily curate another 10 or something like that. Okay. So, Jay, let's just go through this really quickly here. We'll pick our worst and why. We got Crocs, Koosh Balls, the Slinky, Furby, Billy Bob Teeth, Chia Pet, the Snuggie, Tamagotchi, the Pet Rock, and Beanie Babies. We'll do the criteria. Every one of these is worth a dollar, or you can buy each one of these for a dollar. The Tamagotchi, I would definitely just buy that for a dollar for sure. So, that's an easy one not to pick. I like, yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar play so, for a bit. Which one is the one? Keep your dollar. I don't want it. Which one would you? We have nine dollars. You have nine. Yes, there you go. You have we nine. Have, we have nine dollars. There's ten items. Which one are we not buying? Yeah, which one are you not buying? You have to leave on the shelf because you don't have enough money for it. There you go. Perfect way of saying it. Yeah, I have my answer. You got yours. I'm struggling on a couple. Um, oh, really? Mine's an easy pick right away. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll go with mine then. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, mine's the teeth because. I don't think that's funny. I don't want to put it into my mouth. And once it's in your mouth, it's gross. You pull it out again. You got to wash again. Like the whole, like, look at me. I'm silly. I got fake teeth. Uh, I don't know. I don't find it funny necessarily. It's gross because it's only one person can use it too. And it starts to stink after a while. But anyway, to me, the Billy Bob teeth, yeah. I'd be happy to leave that on the shelf and I'd buy the other nine products for a dollar. Yeah. I was teetering between that. Yeah, I'll, it would be the teeth for, okay. for very much the same reasons. I just don't think it's funny. No, <laughs> it's just not funny to me. Oh, funny fake teeth. Oh, I mean, okay. I just, oh, oh, so what was the other one that you're the snuggie the, is so cringe. Really? Yeah. The commercial. Oh, I just I can't associate with that. It's too cringy. And the chia thing. The look of those clay figurines. <laughs> they are do so kind of look bad. Close too. Like, they're probably much messier than the commercial that's on. But it doesn't look like a finished product. At least the Furbies, 
visually it's, it's visually appealing you know what i mean like it's yeah oh yeah it's put together but those clay figurines are so they making no. those by hand is there a machine so, making it must be a machine I, that pumps out those things like a mold so bad yeah Awesome stuff. All right. That was a fun episode. I hope everyone else enjoyed listening to it. Uh, let us know which one you would not want to have your worst pick in the comments or send us an email or don't forget to rate us on iTunes. All that good stuff. We do appreciate it. It does help us, believe it or not. And uh, let's just know you're listening. Remember, in front of every silver lining, there's a cloud. And today, again, another one where both Jason and I agree, it's the uh, Billy Bob Teeth. Camagator Productions.